today. We'll just see how things go. But Romans chapter 2, uh, looking in chapter 1, the wickedness of the world, he closes the chapter, looking at the sin of the world, the darkness, the deception, and the wicked deeds. And in chapter 2, looking at the religious and the moral people that look down their nose at a wicked and a sinful world, that by man's standards live better lives, but by God's standards are equal sinners. And in need of the same salvation that the wicked world's in need of. Uh, so in chapter 2, we got down to about verse 6, and what the Word of God is trying to prove to us is that every man, as Jesus says in John 3, must be born again, because every man is equally guilty before God. You hear that a lot today. It's popular, equality. But man has no interest in equality. Women have no interest in equality. Everybody wants their own advantage. Well, God God is truly equal with all men and women. His standard's the same for all. Man don't like that kind of equality because I'm better than you, because you're better than them, because we're better than the world is. We ought to be treated better. That's the way man thinks. That's not the way God is. So he says in verse 6, Who will render to every man according to his deeds? So they're, uh, they're desiring judgment on a wicked, sinful world. These moral, these religious, these Bible-believing, they're looking on a wicked and sinful world and they're desiring that God would bring judgment and just teach them a lesson. Just destroy them and get rid of them. And you can rest assured of this. God's judgment's on the way and it's going to be equal to every man and every man and every woman's going to receive what's rightfully theirs according to their deeds. But there's a problem in that. Because by our deeds we're all guilty. By the law we're all transgressors. The wicked world, sure, they're transgressors. They fall into a lot of those categories in the last three verses of chapter 1. They're transgressors. They're guilty. But it comes into here as well and we're all guilty also. Man says, well, not to the same degree. It's not about degrees of guilt. It's not about how much I've broke. The question is, have I broken? And if I've broken, I am then a transgressor of the law. Though I've broken ten times as much as you, I've broken the law, you've broken the law, I'm guilty, you're guilty. God would like for man to understand that. That's, that's equality. It's the same for all. So he says, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life. So we looked at some of this last time. Patient continuance. That means cheerful endurance. You'll find that word is patience through a lot of the New Testament. But the cheerful endurance. So here's what we come to. Is he saying that in order for me to receive eternal life, I'm going to have to cheerfully endure to obtain it. Is he laying on me a responsibility? Now, Joseph, I'm going to save you here, but now you're going to have to do this to really 
receive eternal life. Now that's the way a lot of people read that. But the truth, can you obtain salvation by your strength and you enduring? That's not what he's saying here. That's You know, you, you, you can pull that verse out and you can stress that and you can make it look like that's what he's saying. But the whole book's got to be taken into account. We'll see it as we look farther into the book of Romans. But just a couple places, and we looked at these last time. But just to make sure, in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So them that are saved, they're living by faith. And those that draw back, they're not living by faith. So is this works-based again? Well, he clarifies it in the next verse. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Those that draw back and do not cheerfully endure, it's because they never believed to the point of receiving salvation by the operation of God. He says in 1 John, they went out from us, because they were not of us. They did not endure because God never added them to the family. But ye have an unction and anointing from the Holy One. You have the Holy Ghost to cause you. That's a good word. You'll find it in Old and New Testament. I will cause them to walk in my statutes by the operation of God. And in Peter, he says we're kept by the power of God. This is God's doing. The endurance, the cheerful endurance is a result of salvation. It's not a work to receive salvation, but the new creature and the change of life is a result of the operation of God by faith. So to those who by faith have received a salvation that changes their life and causes them to endure they'll receive immortality and eternal life. But to them who are contentious and do not obey the truth, so contentious, intrigue or a faction, and in parentheses of the definition, electioneering. So when you're electioneering, you got two candidates. They're presenting the reason why they ought to be, they ought to receive your vote. Why should you choose them? They're making their case as to why they're better. So here's a people that are contentious against the truth of the gospel. The gospel comes to convict, and maybe electioneering, maybe that sounds strange, but you think about it now. As the Word of God is presented, people are presenting their case in their mind and in their heart as to why they're not guilty and why they're going to be accepted. Instead of coming to what God says about me, I'm instead presenting my case as to why I'm righteous and I'm not guilty like God says. I'm contending against the truth and do not obey. Now, when you read that, we think we know what that means. But this is the real definition to certainly, surely, willfully disbelieve. 
So it's a willful, it's not deception here. It's not that the devil's blinded me and I can't understand it. God's clearly presented that all men are sinners, but I'm going to choose to disbelieve that I'm a sinner. To willfully disbelieve, to not allow to be persuaded. The Word of God's not going to persuade me otherwise. I'm alright the way I am. Well, to them who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. So to them that are contentious and do not obey, they're going to receive the judgment of God. Now where in here do you see any speaking of how much sin I've committed determining how much judgment I'm going to receive? That is not the standard as to how I'm going to be judged before God. My works, my sinfulness has nothing to do with what I'm going to receive. Because, see, we've got to get our carnal mind out of the way to see it. We're not judged by the depths of our sinfulness. The Word of God's already concluded all of man in sin. Equally so. You don't believe it. Well, he does say in James that if you keep the whole law transgress at one point, you are guilty of all. So, he says, I'm going to turn and read it. It's in James chapter 2, verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So it don't matter whether you kill somebody, or you commit adultery, or you tell a lie, no, that doesn't matter. It's that you transgress the law and you're guilty. So all of man's guilty. But you see what's determining the end is what I do with the truth of the gospel. Those that receive eternal life are those that are obedient to the truth of the Word of God. Those that receive the judgment and the wrath of God are those that are contentious and are, will not be convinced of what the Word of God says. They believe what they believe. They're electioneering and contending against the truth and they choose, they willfully choose not to believe what God says about them that they need to be saved. Those are the ones that's receiving wrath. If we're going to go by works, friends, we're all going to die and go to hell. If every man's going to stand before God by what we've done in the flesh, we're all guilty. The, the Bible says we are guilty. So, it's what people do with a sacrifice that God gave of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, the point that he's making here, I, I realize that's pretty well known. I believe we all probably believe that. But the point he's making here is that there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. If the Jew obeys the truth and cheerfully endures, 
He's saved and born again and he's going to inherit eternal life. If the Gentile believes, obeys the truth and cheerfully endures by the Holy Ghost, then he's going to inherit eternal life. If the Jew is contentious against the gospel and rejects the word of God, tribulation and anguish upon them, and if the Gentile is contentious, tribulation and anguish upon them. The judgment of God is equal to all men. Now, you know, Jew and Gentile, we see the spiritual meaning behind that. The people that were religious in some way, whether brought up or made a proselyte, they were believers of the Word of God. They went to the temple. They prayed to God. They, they looked at the Word of God. They were present when it was read. They were morally better people. They tried to live up to the law of God in a certain extent. And the Gentiles, that was a crowd that just didn't care. They lived however they wanted to. Whatever felt right to them, they'd done it. And there was nothing wrong with the way they were living. So you see, the world, the world's going to receive tribulation and anguish if they don't come to the gospel and are saved by the grace of God. But people in the church that are, that are better people, moral, by man's standards, that believe and read portions of the Word of God, that know what God says, that try to pray to God, tribulation and anguish is coming upon them as well if they do not repent and be born again. The equity of the judgment of God. So he says in Job 34, and some scholars, and I, I don't have any idea, but some scholars would say that Job is the oldest book, that it was written even before Moses' books were written. So with that knowledge, this was known before Moses wrote the book of Genesis. In Job 34, verse 19, How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they all are the work of his hands. Now, and I don't mean to be off color, but people in our area of our lifestyle, they like to take that scripture and say, well, God's going to deal with the president just like he does me. I mean, I'm equal with somebody like Bill Gates. It's got more money than I can imagine. We're all going to be the same in God's eyes. Well, that's true. But like he's saying here in Romans, that's the message that he's trying to get across. That to the wicked that's going to be judged and that of the mouth of the morally righteous say, why God ought to destroy a people that lives like that. That's said, that's said often by religious people. Well, the same God is going to deal with you the same way that He deals with those wicked people that ought to be destroyed if you are not born again by the operation of God. Glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. Now we talked about this previous. In Hebrews 11, that chapter of faith, you see Moses, 
by faith kept the Passover, lest the one that destroyed the Egyptians should destroy him. So that judgment of God, that's a wonderful picture. That God said, I'm going to send my angel through and he's going to enter into every household and every firstborn in the land of Egypt is going to perish. And the only means for you to escape this judgment that's coming is that you obey my word and put blood on your doorpost and the lintel. Well, see, Moses, Moses was pretty important, wasn't he? He was handpicked of God to be the deliverer of the people Israel. He was handpicked of God to receive the law, to stand before Pharaoh, and by his hands, God wrought all these mighty works. But you know, Moses was not excluded. Moses was going to be dealt with equally just like he was going to deal with Pharaoh and all the wicked, God-hating Egyptians. And if Moses did not apply the blood, the firstborn in his house was going to die. That's the way it is with us. God is equally judging all. And as God looks, He's not looking on the outward appearance on the outward reputation, on who we are and who our family is, but God is looking to see if by faith the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has been applied to our heart. And if there's no blood, tribulation and anguish will come to our house. You mean even those at church? Even those at church. God's equal. There is no respect of persons. There's no favoritism with God. God is going to deal with each and every person equally. See, the equality the world has in mind is not real equality. It's not. But with God, you can guarantee there will be equity among all that stand before Him. So what's the conclusion of this? Well, you better be born again. Because without, whether you go to church and have many good things to your account or you're wicked and in the world, when you stand before God, you're guilty, period. So he says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now that sounds confusing, but we're going to look at this verse with the next three. <clears throat> so let's read those. He's going to kind of explain what he's saying. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So now we're not talking about saved people here, but he's saying this, that those that have the law of God, the religious people, the Jew in that day, the people that knows what God said, well, they're going to be judged by what they know that God said. 
But what about the Gentile that don't know anything about the law of God? Well, they're going to perish without the law. How can that be? Because in every man, that conscience of good and what's right is there. God put that there. And even among the Gentiles, even among the people that don't and never have gone to church and have no interest in the Word of God, they've got a moral compass, if you will, of what's right and what's wrong. Now that can be, that can be seared with a hot iron. But there's good people, fine people in the world that have never had any interest in knowing anything about God whatsoever. And you know what that is? That's a judge. You know, somebody says, well, I've not done what they've done. And they are a law unto themselves. God's not going to be unjust to destroy or to judge any man. Whether they've had the law their whole life or they don't know anything about the law, there is evidence by the conscience that's within them and by the other Gentiles that's around them of what's moral, what's right, and what's good. And in our own minds now, you do not measure up in your own mind as to what you think a good man or a good woman or a good person of God ought to be. You, you don't measure up to what you think, much less the Word of God. How many times ought a man of God pray every day? Your opinion, a good man of God or woman of God, how many times ought somebody that's saved and a part of the family of God pray daily? How much time in a week ought a good person, man or woman of God, be in the Word of God reading and studying? You answer it. How many hours in a week? Do you measure up? See, we don't measure up to what we say. Now you can lie and say you do, but I don't believe it. Now we fail and we come short of what our own conscience says. That's how weak and beggarly we are on our own. That's why God says pray the Lord of the harvest. He don't say, Joseph, strap your boots up and go out in the harvest. He says pray that the Lord of the harvest would send. It's by the grace of God that there's anybody that's anywhere near God that's able to work and labor in His vineyard for the salvation of them that are in darkness. So God is going to judge. Now let's look at some of these words. Without the law. Not liable to answer to the Jewish law. So this was a people that was outside the religion of the Jews. And they were living in ignorance of God's law and God's standard. They were living in ignorance of what God said they ought to be. Now we've got a multitude of people that you and I know that are ignorant to what God's Word says. They've got a thought, an opinion, they've got rumor that they've heard or that the family said, 
that they believe and hold to. But as far as to know what God really says, they're ignorant of it. Now, can they die and God be unjust to judge them because they didn't know? No, they've got knowledge. They've got examples even among their community of what's good and what's not good. And a realization within them, I believe it's a big problem in our world today. Psychology, you got all kinds of drugs, you got psychiatrists making absolute fortunes. You know what they're trying to help people with? Trying to help them feel better. They're guilty. They don't measure up. They're not what they ought to be. They know and realize that something is missing. God put that knowledge in man. We are inadequate and we're guilty. So sinned to miss the mark and not sharing the prize. So those that have missed the mark without the law, see they've missed the mark in their own conscience also. Whether they know what God says or not, they know in their heart they've not done everything they ought to do. They're guilty by their own conscience. We read that in the Gospel of John. That woman was taken in adultery. They brought her before the Lord and they said, she was caught, we caught her in the very act of adultery. What do you reckon we ought to do? The law said stone her. Jesus said, let him without sin cast the first stone. And they all went out convicted of their own conscience. You know what they knew? Those words and the thinking in their mind, they realized they were guilty of the law as well. That knowledge is there. Man knows he's guilty. And God's just and righteous to judge whether they know the Word of God or not, whether they're around the law of God or not. As many as have sinned without the law, they shall perish without the law. And those that sinned in the law, they're going to perish by the law. The judgment of God will come upon all. So in 13, not the hearers of the law are just. So do you think because you sit and hear that you're more just than a world that doesn't hear? Now that's people hold to, well I go to church. I mean they, they don't even go to church, but I go to church. And I go to a place where the gospel is. And we're blessed. Well, the hearers are not justified. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We see that. James likens the man that hears and doesn't do to a man that looks in the mirror, sees that smudge on his face, but turns and goes away and forgets what was on his face. So it's not those that sit and hear. No, I tell you what that does. That reveals more of it to me. And instead of justifying me, for me to learn more of the law of God, it adds to my guilt. It makes me more liable. <coughs> it does. 
So not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, you know what he's got? Now the Jews, who are morally better, they've lived better lives. We've not took part in the sin that the Gentiles have took part in. We've not lived like they've lived. We've been in church. We've heard the Word of God. We've, uh, we've learned about God. We believe in God. We've got our own Bible. We pray. We're good people. But when the Gentiles, which didn't have the raising and the learning and the gospel that we were fortunate enough to have, when they come in and they believe and they're obedient and they're saved, then where does that leave us? You know what that is? That's guilty before us. Because now, not only do we have the knowledge, but we've got the example of those that have obeyed and believed the gospel. We see that picture. Well, he's using that here amongst the Gentiles. That here is a Gentile that is a, a good, moral, upstanding person amongst the Gentile community. And here's a, a law. You know, the Gentile world has laws. Ungodly pagan countries have laws that they expect you to abide by. They've got rule of order and judgments for crimes against other people. These laws, even though they don't have the law of God, yet they are guilty before God. And all of this we'll look at more in depth later on in the book of Romans and we could say that a whole lot. I'm not trying to get out of it here. When the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. So by nature, it's natural to them. That conscience that God's put within them, they are living a moral, upstanding life they're trying to do well and that's a law under their own community and under their own self. Which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. So conviction here completely separate of the law and the word of God. But here's this person in their life and it's bringing conviction on this other person because they don't measure up to what they are. In their conscience. In their mind. So that really, that's what the church ought to be to a world. That the church filled with the Holy Ghost of God, saved by the operation of the Lord, that the church would have lives as they would go out, that would have the weight of conviction through the Holy Spirit, that our world would realize they do not have what the church has. The treasure of the Holy Ghost in the earthen vessel. So, verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So he's closing his thought here. 
if we read it all together without the parentheses. For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So the day's coming that the judgment of God is going to come on those that are outside of the church and that do not have knowledge of God as well as those inside the church that has the knowledge of God. And God is going to reveal the secrets. You know, that's the difference between the Gentile world, people that are religious. Most of the Gentile world, they're unashamed of sin. They're unashamed of their lifestyle. They'd prefer you knew about it. But in the church, we try to cover that up. And it be secret. And nobody know how we really feel. And nobody know what we really think. And nobody know how we really act and what we would really like to do. It's covered up and hidden. Well, the day of judgment that's coming, all of the secrets of man is going to be made bare before the Lord. And man's going to be judged equally. So you that would desire a sinful world to be judged, you're going to be judged the same way. You that look at a guilty Gentile world that don't have half the knowledge you've got of God and you say they're going to be destroyed. <coughs> what about those that have knowledge? That God's taught. That God's preached to. That have willfully disbelieved and been contentious. They're going to perish as well. The same way that the wicked Gentiles are going to perish. This day of the Lord in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. And then He shall reward every man according to His works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. This day that's to come, this day of judgment, you know, if, if there was no judgment, this would be the biggest waste of time that ever has been. If we were just going to live and die and that be the end, this would be worthless to every one of us and we'd be better off to go enjoy our life and spend our time for ourselves. But this judgment that's to come, God's wrath that's coming, that's what we seek to escape. There is life after this, and man will be accountable for his deeds and for his life. Maybe that's as far as we'll look today.